Good morning and welcome to University Heights United Methodist Church. We're so glad you're here on this race day Sunday. It's exciting to get to say since we live in Indianapolis. Uh, we want to welcome any newcomers, those watching us live, and our radio congregation on WICR. I'm Susan Hancock, your program director. Our pastor is David Nguyen. Our liturgist this morning is Shirley Green. And Dr. Stephanie Kelly will be here during our children's moment. And during our doing our sermon this morning is Darren Isaac. We are still collecting school supplies during the month of August for our children's center, um, Sunday school classes, and school 65. So you can still bring those items in. This is the big week of our Children's Center Garage sale on August 27th through the 29th. So come and shop and please do wear your mask. Um, and I hope you've joined me in praying while you wash your hands for 20 seconds. I find that I'm washing my hands even a little bit longer than 20 seconds because I have a lot of things to pray for. So prayer is powerful, so please keep that up. Um, please stand now as you're able and... Um, Join me in welcoming each other with a wave or a high five or air five or those things that we can do in this COVID-19 situation. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. It's so good to see you all on this Sunday morning. And for all of you joining us on Facebook Live and on the radio, uh, it's a pleasure to be back here uh, delivering the message today on behalf, of, on behalf of our church. I thank uh, Pastor David and you all for the opportunity to do so. Uh, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Loving God, we come into this space carrying many burdens, carrying many stresses from our daily lives, carrying anxiety, carrying responsibilities that feel heavy. So we come to this space to take refuge in you, for you will make the rough places plain. You will make the crooked straight. Even when these things feel impossible for us, we rest in your love, knowing that through you all things are possible. Come into this space, into this moment. Awaken our hearts to worship. And bring us closer to you. Feed us with heavenly nourishment so that we may go forth from this place strengthened and renewed. Amen.
Good morning to you all. Stand as you're able and, uh, and uh, join me in the call to worship. We rise again together in the presence of God. We come together seeking renewal of strength. God's abundant love for us is immeasurable. In all creation, we see a spark of the divine. By joy, blessings we are called to action by the commission of Christ. Let's sing our song of prayer, our hymn of praise. This is our Father's world. Repeat with me the opening prayer. O God, we seek your kingdom of love and life, but the problems of this world weigh heavy upon our hearts. Awaken us to the needs in front of us and the simple ways that we may love and serve each other. Grant that your church may be of service to your people. Guide us to live and worship in the spirit and in the truth, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Repeat with me the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father, mighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from which he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God, we come to you seeking your love and mercy, carrying our individual burdens. Help us to lay those at your feet. Help us to admit to ourselves the things that we need from you and from others. Help us to bear our individual burdens. Help us to love one another by seeing these burdens and acting upon them in the world. Help us to show love to our neighbors by helping them to carry these burdens, by being your hands and feet in this world. Bring us together as a community, as a family in Christ. We pray for those who are recovering from surgery and from illness. Let your healing hands be upon them. Let the comfort of your Holy Spirit be with them. We pray for our nation, Lord, and its healing. We pray for our leaders that they would discern thoughtfully, mindfully, and spiritually the needs of the people. Be present in their decision making, be present in the ways that they govern. Loving God, we ask you to be with your church today as it struggles to find its identity and deals with issues of a new time 
yet still you are using this body to do your work in the world. We ask that you enliven that mission within us today. Call us forth to serve you in your church. And loving God, we pray for the communion of saints. All of our loved ones who have come before us, who have guided us and nurtured us in faith and in love. We pray that their presence still inspire us and lead us on to new things. And we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Hebrew Bible lesson this morning is 2 Kings 5, 1 through 19. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and high in favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Armenians on the, were one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Neiman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were here with the prophet who is in Samaria, he could, he could cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said, and the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send among a letter, along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shackles of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Neiman that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance to Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored to you and shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought for me he would surely come out and stand and call him 
on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure this leprosy. Are not Abana and Fairfam the rivers of the Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could not I wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage, but his servants approached him and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more then? All he said to you was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself in the seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, and he said, and all his company, he came and stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will accept nothing. He urged him to accept, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let two mule loads of earth be given to, you, your, to your servant for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god except the Lord. <clears throat> but may the Lord pardon your servant on one account. When my master goes to the house of Reman to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow down in the house of Leman, when I do bow, bow down in the house of Reman, may the Lord pardon your servant on this count. He said to him, go in peace. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. I place my 
The epistle reading this morning is from Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received, I have, you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you are concerned for me. You were concerned for me, but I had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry. I have plenty and of being in need. I will do all things through him who strengthens me. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. May be seated. <clears throat> the gospel reading this morning is from Matthew 6, 26 through 34. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you worry and add a single hour to the, your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil, toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more much more clothe you, you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Listen to the, what the Spirit is saying to the church. Good morning, boys and girls. It's good to see you again. I'm going to show you a picture and I want you to think about what you see. You can shout it out where you are at home. Yeah, I'm guessing that, I, that you're shouting out that you see a tree. A tree with some pretty rough bark, looks like a pretty tall tree. Some leaves up in the background, a few dead branches on the top, but, but I'm guessing you see a tree. But if you look closely, there's something else there as well. And that something else is way up in the crook of that tree is a flower growing. I was out for a walk one day last summer and I saw that flower growing and just had to take a picture of it. It was amazing. 
This flower was growing in the crook of this tree about 10 feet up in the air. Now, I don't know if flower seeds worry or not, but I can imagine if they do, that when this flower seed realized where they were planted, they probably worried quite a bit how they would grow in this situation. There's not near enough dirt here. How am I gonna get my roots down secure in the earth? There's not enough sun with all these leaves and these big branches around me. The rain's never gonna reach me down in this narrow little crook in the tree. But nevertheless, God provided for this flower and it was able to bloom. The Bible verse today that was read is about the idea of worrying and not worrying, that recognizing that God will provide for us. It makes reference to flowers, but it also makes reference to birds and says, birds don't gather their own, their own food. They don't keep it stored in a refrigerator to keep themselves from going hungry, but God provides for them. And I think birds are an excellent example because they don't just sit back in their nest watching TV and drinking soda pop and expect God to provide for them. They work pretty hard to find their food, digging around for earthworms and bugs and bird seeds. But God provides them through the work that they do with enough food. Now there is plenty to worry about nowadays with the coronavirus. And I know many of you are going back to school and you're probably worried how school is going to work, whether it's going to school, wearing masks and trying to stay far enough away from each other that you don't make each other sick, or going to school at home over the computer or some mix in between. There's lots to worry about, but we need to trust that God will be with us and God will keep us safe. However, just like the birds have to do a little bit of work to get the food that God provides, we need to do our part to help keep ourselves safe as well. We need to wear our masks, we need to wash our hands, and we need to try to stay away from, from people as much as possible, knowing that we can spread the disease to one another. There's another way we can help as well, and that's recognizing that our neighbors, many of our neighbors are worried about a lot of the same things. And as Christians, we're charged with loving our neighbors, and so we can do our part to try to help them worry a bit less by continuing to donate food to food pantries, donate clothes. We can donate clothes to the church for the church rummage sale, um, donate to the bibs pantry, giving in the church office. Those are all ways we can help show our love for our neighbors so that they can feel comfortable trusting God and worrying less as well. So I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to bow your heads at home. Dear Lord, please help us to trust in you by doing our part to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Amen. Thank you, boys and girls, and I hope to see you face-to-face -face real soon. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Amen. So where is God in our suffering? Where is God in our trials? Why won't God break forth from the heavens and beat this disease, this civil unrest, this hopelessness I feel? Why won't God do something about all of this? Why does everything have to be so complicated? Today in our Hebrew Bible lesson, we find Naaman, a man seeking healing, a relatable feeling, he has suffered and endured great trial, but still worked hard to achieve favor with his master. Despite being born into a lower class and suffering from an illness that caused him great pain, he worked hard to earn a place of high regard among his people. As a warrior, as someone who delivers victory, he's a competitor, he's a winner, 
He'll do whatever it takes to meet his goal. So when one of the captives, a woman of strong faith and devotion, mentions the power of her Lord and the prophet by which he works in the world, of course, he sets out expecting to endure another great trial, prepared for battle, prepared to prove himself, prepared to demonstrate his worth. He makes the long journey and approaches the king of Israel. The king must be this mighty one who God has ordained, right? He was the man of power and privilege, the one who has risen to the top of society, the one who can make things happen. So he must be the one to come to, the one to ask for healing and favor with the one true almighty and powerful God. Imagine Naaman's disappointment at the king's confusion and frustration. The king takes this request as an insult to himself, thinking, why would, why would they ask me to do this impossible thing? They must be trying to make me look bad. They must be trying to start a fight with me. The reality is the request wasn't about him at all. It was a man in suffering, humbling himself, and asking for help, hoping that, an act, that in an act of mercy he could receive healing from his affliction. He was prepared to do whatever it took. When Elisha finds out, he calls out this injustice and sends a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha then offers the man healing. Not with some mighty act. Not through some sort of magical healing. Not by calling down the spirit of God to split the skies and remold the fabric of reality to include the mystical healing of Naaman. But just a simple request. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored. And you shall be clean. Naaman is furious. Where does this guy get off calling himself a prophet anyway? There's no way this will work. I have way better rivers at home that I wash in. He simply has no faith in the solution he was offered. And therefore finds it insulting. And this, my friends, is where we find our poison for this week. The poison of complexity. We often drink this poison and overcomplicate our lives while proudly owning that it is simply the only way to get ahead in the world. We desire to prove ourselves, that we've earned everything that we have. We feel that we must struggle and fight for a solution. We feel that we must demonstrate our worth and then be awarded with the things that we desire. But all of this is an illusion of our contemporary society and an unhealthy spiritual model. As people of faith, we profess weekly after our offertory that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything that we've been given, an act of grace and love. But how often do we carry that sentiment with us as we set forth from this space? How often do we take for granted our loving family homes, our education, our skills, our opportunities to serve and grow as we criticize those without these blessings who seek food, shelter, education, health care, or an opportunity to break free from a life in poverty. As most often it does in the Bible, from the margins comes the best advice, and the slaves speak up to their master. Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said was to you was wash and be clean? But sometimes the simple solutions don't feel like enough for us when we're looking to prove something. It can be difficult for us to accept. But simplicity can be a solution to problems we don't even realize that we have. We are focused and driven. We take on as much as we can, aching to prove ourselves, to show our expertise, to demonstrate talents and skills. But when will we feel like we've done enough? What are we seeking? What are our priorities? 
What if instead of trying to prove ourselves, we learn to simply offer ourselves to God and to one another? Our gifts, our talents, our knowledge. And in doing so, opening up ourselves to receive these gifts from others. When Naaman humbles himself and approaches the advice that was given to him faithfully, he's cured. Sometimes the simple solution is the right one. Sometimes the problem itself is the many ways that we overcomplicate our lives, seeing catastrophe around every corner and living in constant fear of disaster or never being satisfied no matter what we accomplish or how hard we work toward our goals. Let us reflect on this example from Paul. I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need, in that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a calling to rearrange our priorities. Rather than asking, why isn't God saving me from this trial, we can ask, how can I let God into my life today? How can I be of service to others today? How has God provided for me this day? What things are distracting me from experiencing God this day? So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today, says Christ. I don't think he's telling us to blow off our responsibilities, but to stop being overcome by the magnitude of problems in this world so we can do what we can in the here and now. To find strength to serve. To see the magnificent things that God is doing in our lives and to approach the world with gratitude and thankfulness rather than criticism and suspicions. To serve joyfully, rather than to always be pushing to prove our worth. To experience the kingdom of God. And to build it with others. I really enjoyed this quote from uh, one of my books that I was reading last semester from an author named Richard Foster. May God give you and me the courage the wisdom, the strength always to hold the kingdom of God as the number one priority of our lives. To do so is to live in simplicity. So my brothers and sisters and my family in Christ, let us awaken to this moment, to, con to see the concerns of the here and now, let us not be overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, by the many problems and temptations of this world, but instead offer ourselves to God to be the instruments through which he shines his love upon all creation. And let us experience the joy and simplicity of dwelling in the kingdom of God. I want to be awake in this moment. I want to fulfill the part that is mine. The kingdom of God is here if we build it. The gate is inside our hearts and our
Please, God, accept these gifts, for only you know where they are to be needed for the, your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's word, amen. Please join us in this closing hymn, I'm going to live so God can use me. Anywhere, Lord, anytime. the grace to simplify and the awareness to be thankful. May we give ourselves to the service that God is calling us to in our personal lives. And may we awaken to the present and dwell in the kingdom of God. Go in peace.